Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corinne. And welcome to the Sunday, Monday episode of the show. We're recording this on Sunday, November 27th, uh, 6.15 p.m. here on the East Coast. The uh, early slight slate of games for the day are already done in the books. We have Thanksgiving games for the NFL that are also concluded. Um, and one of the marquee games of the afternoon games, based on storylines, has already taken place, which is the Jets game. Um, so this last week, the Jets got spanked by the Patriots again to be swept by the Pats again in a season in which the Pats aren't bad, but not great. Kind of a middling Pats season as they currently sit at six and five after losing again today. Uh, and in a season in which the Jets are actually Good. They had a winning record heading into both Pats games and a chance to take over a pretty strong divisional lead, honestly. If you give those two Pats losses to the Jets as wins, all of a sudden you're looking at a nine and three team or not nine and five team. Or sorry, no, I think it's nine and f- oh shit. Hold on. What is, what's the Jets record now? It's good, so I can't keep it in my head. Three. The Jets, uh, it would have been, uh, Dude, nine and two. That's nuts. The Jets have four losses on the season. Two of them have been the Pats. Um, And obviously, if you start giving a team wins when they had losses, every team's record improves magically. But the point being, it's not a spectacular Patriots team. And both games, the Jets, while maybe not favored on the, on the spread, were definitely, I'd say, not favored, but expected to have done well. And in both games, the defense played spectacular and the offense faltered mightily. Um, in the last game that happened, the most recent game, Zach Wilson came out with a big lack of, of uh, accountability. Um, did you hear any of what he had said? Uh, I heard the very little that he said. I don't know if he extrapolated further at any later point. So while it doesn't appear that Zach Wilson had said much about those two games, what he did say had very much so irked the defense, which has been by far the reason the Jets are where they are right now, which is um, in a playoff spot, shockingly. And in that, he said that he didn't think the offense what was is what was he didn't think the offense had uh, let down the defense. Which is bananas. Because the defense in that Patriots, most recent Patriots loss, allowed three points. Mm-hmm. The special teams allowed a special teams touchdown, but your star defensive players are not there for that, so that doesn't count. The defense had allowed three points. That's it. I like. I don't even know what you say. I don't know how you how you look at your defense. And the amazing three-point performance they put on against who cares if it's a bad team? Even allowing three points to a bad team is incredible. You know? You... Just sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. If the question was actually phrased, do you think uh you know, the more I think about it, the more I don't know if he took that as a you are you the problem and refused to acknowledge the fact that it was referred to as offense as a whole but i would almost assume in his mind he is the offense so that question was directed towards him oh it absolutely is and 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 his answer is directed towards people that 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 did their job well unlike him and it's amazing to not even hear uh, the the generally accepted platitudes from athletes after you get after they turn on a bad performance, which is like, uh, you know, that one's on me. I got to be better out there. Got to play sharper. Wasn't playing my hardest. Got to keep my eyes up. What whatever you know what I mean? Like, do we hear these things all the time? Because it's not a big deal. You don't have to get into the specifics. You don't have to start tearing down your own film in a press conference, but when you lose a game, it's pretty normal to come out and say, 
yeah, we fucked that up, didn't we? Or, or really take the personal accountability without any serious condemnation of just being like, yep, I blew it out there. You know, the rest of those 10 guys on the offense with me all did their job, but it was me that let the team down. It sucks to have to say, but like, you don't have to follow it up with anything. You just say that and walk away. I mean, we hear players in baseball do that, the games in which they hit home runs and their team loses. You know, like, it's just kind of what you do. So to not even have that is wild. Yeah, like, Um, you're right. We don't hold anyone accountable to whatever they end up saying. So why not just fake it in the first place? You have nothing to lose. Seriously, because... It's one of those things where if you do the right thing, like no one cares. It's kind because of, it's kind of what you're supposed to do, right? But if you do the wrong thing, people are gonna be pissed, and justifiably so, right? Like his defense is mad at him because his defense, the star side of the field right now, had a three point game against a divisional rival, and they're head of offense who also only managed to muster three points went out there and said not my fault we did not let the defense down their game was okay Uh, their game performance and my game performance the same equal equal in our efficiencies we did not do them dirty and that's nuts I saw um, I saw Booger McFarlane talking about Zach Wilson in in a clip the other day about this this benching and this lack of accountability and he said it um in part is due to the fact that zach wilson is a white kid who grew up with a lot of money <laughs> and that response honestly yeah 100 on the money mm-hmm. as Based- uh, people who grew up in those areas where those kids existed we both knew those kids seems exactly it yeah because uh, I, I mean, he said the because like what you just said, he didn't even have to take the personal accountability of saying I fucked up. He said he took the question of how did the offense do personally because he knows he's in that group. Hey, That's I truly hate seeing this shit because you see the stuff he does on the field. And you see how easily it could translate if he just kind of bought into what the NFL is. And he just so clearly thinks he's above that, that you know, like, you know, sitting here watching him play this week, that this ain't it. Like, he is not showing anything of what it is that we see from. I lost you. Do you see do you see what it is from who? Um bu- 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 uh, see what it is. What was the lead up to that? Do you remember it all? Basically you're Shit. saying that you know, watching Zach, you, you can see that he's not it because he's um he's not taking the NFL seriously. Right. Like you see it from the premier franchise quarterbacks from around the league. You see it from the career backups and journeyman kind of guys that pass around the league but still are there for what seems like a decade because they buy in people want to have those players on the team and you are given all of the benefits that you are not getting right now because people fucking hate you russell wilson has had a hall of fame career so far but his team fucking hates him and we're seeing the results of that, both in the media and on the field. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I remember us last year during Zach Wilson's rookie year, I was saying a lot how I appreciated him kind of like trying to figure out what he could and couldn't get away with. Because, um, you know, he would make a bunch of risky passes, have some tough-looking interceptions. and But rookie year, again, like, I, I'm I'm pretty okay with that as long as it's not all – as long as it's not poor decision-making, as long as it is um, a good decision if this was college, but you have to learn that you can't get away with that physically in the NFL, right? The defenders are faster. You know, like both the the cornerbacks on your wide receivers and the defensive ends coming to 
shove it up your ass. Like both of them are bigger and faster and will get to you and award the ball. Um, this year, though, like ha- having him admit that he was giving up in- a couple of interceptions after the first Patriots game, which I was at that game, and I wanted him to be benched that game. Um, hearing him admit after a couple really bad interceptions in that game that he just was tired of throwing the ball out of bounds. Okay, go fuck yourself. This sport is not about you. That is as selfish as you can possibly be. You're bored? Suck my balls, bro. No one fucking cares. I'm sorry that you're not good enough for the sport to be entertaining for you, but that's a you fucking issue. So after he didn't get benched in that game, I was kind of upset. So after he threw up another fucking clunker of a game up in New England and then said that bullshit, I was like, I I was fully on board for the benching because. Now, look, if he was um, because here's the other component to it, if he was having a Mahomes esque season or a Josh Allen esque season. Probably not benched. Probably a stern talking to. Mm hmm. But with the Jets as in the playoff hunt as they are, but not like their spot not being guaranteed. Um, and I would see how that would be a, a big like player meeting thing or, or a, maybe even a fine from the coach or some extra shit during practice. But you'd let him play. The other tough component of it is he's playing like dog shit. And we talked about this, I want to say a week or two ago. Maybe, but Zach Wilson this year has, has just not been fantastic. Uh, uh, not even fantastic. He hasn't been good. He, um, his quarterback rating is higher than last year with a slightly higher yards per game. But I mean, the interceptions are still at an unacceptable rate. The touchdowns are not there. Um, th- like the yardage is slightly up, but we're seeing him miss so many more passes. And, and similar, easy passes too. It's nuts. It's similar to what we saw last year, where we got those big flashy plays, but there was a lot of mistakes, a lot of poor decisions, and just a lot of ugly shit in between. Bad fundamentals. But we took it as, like you said, under the assumption that he is trying things out, working to see what he can get away with, what he what works, what doesn't work what he can improve on and using it as a learning process. And instead he's taken in none of it is still doing the same things, but now with a shitty attitude and a shitty persona that he's, you know, extending to the rest of the team. This is what we've been talking about for the entire season. And it's comparing a lot to honestly, Kenny Pickett this year. Kenny Pickett has made a lot of mistakes. He has thrown the ball deep. He has thrown it into tight coverages. He's trying to see what works. He's thrown way more interceptions than touchdowns. I think it's almost two to three times as many. But he has such a good attitude in the locker room and with the media that everyone is on board with what's going on, knowing that he's working to figure his shit out. And he's not fucking with anybody in the process. Yeah, it's the base levels of humility. Oh, and of course. Which people will grant to you if you acknowledge your mistakes, which is part of what makes this such a frustrating situation. And to to layer on top of it, the uh, kind of a, 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 I don't know, an additional piece that, that got a little bit maybe more clarity today uh, as we kind of build this up into today's performance was the Elijah Moore situation. Because tangled up in this really frustrating web is the fact that one of the Jets star position group players from last season has been MIA this year and no one in the organization has been able to explain why he was um, a really like good looking up and comer last year 538 yards like isn't the most but 43 receptions is is, is perfectly good and he has it was just he had 18 receptions on the year so far. He played 11 games last year and he's played nine games this year and has like a third of the 
receptions that he had last year and half the targets. And to to such a point that he requested a trade six, seven weeks into the season and got dissuaded out of it, um, didn't get moved to the trade deadline. And, and there was kind of every time that a reporter asked, like, where's Elijah Moore? Why isn't he getting in the game? We've got a lot of, like, effusive answers. And... I, you know, we'll get again, we'll get into it a little bit further, but he, he had a good game today because not Zach Wilson was playing. And you got to wonder it, about Zach's ability to incorporate certain players into the offense or if there was a rift between the two of them or or what's going on. But granted, one, one game is not a, a, a trend or one game is not enough for a full correlation, but you look at a guy who you know can be good not playing on an, not getting good playing time on an offense that needs to be better. You change quarterbacks and all of a sudden he's the part of the offense. He kind of thought he was going to be. I don't know, man. It's not a, it's a lot. It's a lot of signs pointing to Zach Wilson as becoming a problem really fucking fast. Obviously, obviously we are not in that locker room. Obviously we are not a part of that team and, and sees, what the dynamic is really like behind closed doors. But I think this might be a situation where if he is truly that kind of locker room cancer of which you cannot have him at the helm of a healthy, well, you know, good functioning team. I think you look at cutting bait this off season if he doesn't show anything in the building. I mean, it's not like there's anything redeeming about the game that you've seen over his first two seasons, you know, his first so game so far that makes you think, man, this is, this is a guy that we could potentially work around. And we always talk about how we need to give these guys multiple years as a runway. It is hard to transition into this league. But there comes a price to to the exceptions you give, and it's it's ugly to think that this guy is going to be a part of this team for the long run. Well, and part of it is is, is understanding your circumstances. You know, like because you got to think if you're Zach Wilson, you have to understand that you have found yourself on shockingly a good team. I don't mean shockingly because Zach Wilson doesn't deserve a good team or whatever, but I mean more or less so the Jets weren't expected to be good. The defense is really good. The offensive skill players are really good. The offensive line, which has been battered, tattered, and and rearranged weekly, has been pretty good. Uh, I mean, even though even with Brees Hall going down and everyone worried about how the run game was going to be affected in the pass game, it's been good. The team is good in a lot of places. And you have to say to yourself, okay, well, if I don't need to be the savior, right? They don't need me to put on an... Aaron Rodgers-esque performance where the team is horrible, the defense is dreadful, the running game is non-existent, it is up to me, then I need to be able to just kind of not be an asshole and manage the game because the rest of the team around me is good enough to win. Because the problem with being an asshole on a really good team is that you are more expendable. And the problem with being an asshole and not good means that you're really fucking expendable. And that's going to be the issue. an addition by subtraction. And if you have nothing to back up your play on the field, then there's no reason not to cut you loose. And, and we're slowly leading our way up to, you know, the Mike White game, which is today, which is to say, depending on how Mike White did, which we know how he did, so we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, if he does nothing spectacular and the Jets curb stomp the bears that's your worst nightmare zach wilson because all that says is this team is great we just need a quarterback that doesn't make us worse and that would say that you zach wilson in in several games this year have made us worse we saw the saints make a similar decision this year where if quarterback is going to be a liability position for you it's not something that's considered a strength. 
we're going to go with the guy that makes the fewest mistakes so that he fucks it up the least amount of the time. Jameis Winston got benched for Andy Dalton. It's worked out plenty fine for the Saints by comparison. I don't think Mike White or Joe Flacco when healthy would even be a, a major step down. And mind you, this is also with, with the Giants turn Daniel Jones into. Daniel Jones mm-hmm. is not doing humongous play God-level shit. He's just not turning the ball over and making more passes than he doesn't. They've taken the ball out of his hand, put it in their playmakers, put it in Saquon Barkley's hand, say, go fucking fight for every yard. We're not putting any pressure. Like, even when the Giants were down on Thanksgiving, Brian Dable was running the ball heavy because he did not want that late-game pressure with the game on the line to cause Daniel Jones to fuck up, throw a dirty interception, whatever it may be. And one of the other things, just to get hop back into like the psychology of it, is I can also appreciate or at least understand how difficult it must be realizing you're not doing well as someone entering the NFL. And I mean, like, specifically with the NFL, because you were probably the best player on your high school team, right? Like, by far. Mm-hmm. Then you went to college, and he was a he was a second overall pick. So he was obviously one of the best college quarterbacks in all of college football, right? Probably the best player on your team there too. So you've been you've been the guy, you've been the shit for at least seven years, your entire time playing football, and that probably extends back to whatever athletics you did in middle school, right? So since you were a kid, a child. You have been the guy. You've been great. You've never been bad. And if your team has been anything other than spectacular, I'm willing to bet it wasn't your fault. And here you are having to grapple with that at a pretty young age. Because in baseball, baseball is a sport of failure. And uh, nine times out of ten, players have to go down to the minors before they can make it up to the majors. And even then, most players don't make the jump. That Otherwise, the the majors would have 90 teams, and they just don't. So, get them the math works out um even basketball basketball has like a g league you know basketball has uh everyone knew a guy who was better than them somewhere around the line you know what i mean like like there's no disparity if you go practice at the local ymca the local court there will always be someone there who can dunk on you always always someone who's the best guy there that's not going to be you no matter how good you are and basketball is a pretty a segmented fish, game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you can comfortably say that, like, I am seven foot two, uh, so I can block like a motherfucker, but I cannot shoot. I'm bad at it. Or I am six game. three with it with a mean three pointer, but I can't dunk for shit or something like that. You know, most if you're six three, I'm sure you can dunk if you're in the NBA. But whatever, you get you know what I'm saying. There, there there's people who understand that you know I'm bad at, at collecting my rebounds, can't steal for shit, whatever. Who cares? Got no crossover. Whatever. Um, but with being a quarterback, you really just have to be able to make your passes and make your passes better than the other guys. And yeah, there's other skills. There's you know changing the offense at the at the line based on what you're reading the, from the defense. Is being able to pull off a convincing RPO, having actually be the ability to run the football and going through your reads with the mental game. There's lots of other aspects to it. But it seems like Wilson's problem is he has always been able to do the throwing part of it, the physical aspect of it spectacularly, been able to beat other players and can't at the NFL and refuses to accept it. And again, I can understand where that comes from at the outset because you were probably always the guy. Dude, two years in, get over yourself. Grow up. Yeah. And even looking at the... It makes that story about him fucking his best friend's mom look a lot worse, doesn't it? Because it just makes him look like such an asshole. Yeah. Like, almost as if he is someone who cannot see the consequences of his actions. Oh, my mom's friend is hot and she's coming on to me. Fuck yeah, let's go. Not thinking, oh, hey, she's fucking best friends with my mom. This might come up at some point. That could be really bad for both my image and my family's relationship. 
how how is that not like how how do you do something like that not that you can because like look he's a very good looking young kid i am sure that is something that he could do or any other qb in the league could probably swindle at some point what are you doing making that decision We've discussed I, this. We don't I, need I, to dive back into it. No, I, I know. It's nuts. So anyway, all this to say, this is basically crossing off every checklist of football-specific don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not talking off-the-field stuff because Lord knows there's 9,000 things you can do off-the-field to ruin um, your life, the lives of others, and your football career. But speaking specifically of on-field and in-locker-room things, Outside of a physical altercation with his teammates, I think he's done basically everything you are not supposed to do. And that leads us into today's game. Um, so Mike White got the got the start. Zach Wilson actually wasn't even dressed for the game. He was he was fully, fully benched. So the backup QB was Joe Flacco. Um wow. which is hilarious. And I love it. So how did Mike Wade perform? Great. 22 for 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns, no no interceptions, got sacked once for seven yards, a quarterback rating of 149.3. He was incredible. Garrett Wilson, five receptions for 95 yards, two touchdowns. Elijah Moore, two more receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Back in the game, it's his first receiving touchdown of the season. They um, demolished the Mike Bears. White was a last to year when he had that really small sample size run, but I I fucking love that it's already paying itself forward this year. Yeah, I, and this is his um this is his first game of the season too. Like he didn't have, he didn't even come into the game uh, during like, you know, when Joe Flacco started the season and cause Zach Wilson was recovering from whatever like thing he had. This is his first game of the year. He has one other game listed in his pro football reference page, but with no stats. So I'm not sure if he came in for the snap on a trick play or something. Um, but this is a, and don't get me wrong, the Bears defense is bad. The Bears defense is trading away. Oh fuck, who did they trade away? Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. Yeah. Yeah, and they traded someone else too. Uh, they traded Roquan and Robert Quinn. I think Robert still Quinn. That, that was the other guy. Yeah. Um, they've been really, really. I think their average points allowed is like thirty-five point five heading into the game. So this is actually improves their average points allowed in their last five games and straighting away those two guys, which is nuts. Um, but regardless, regardless, that's amazing. And Mike White had some impressive throws too. The difference was when he made an impressive throw, it wasn't desperate scrambling, trying to be a hero. The impressive throw was I'm going to sit in the pocket and track the guy I'm throwing the ball to until I have the ability to pull the trigger. Or it was a really quick release because my job is to get the snap and chuck the ball. Nothing more. Here we go. It um it was an impressive game. And this thrusts the QB situation into quite an interesting conversation because on one hand you have Zach Wilson who you spent a second round a second over the second overall pick on so uh, there's a lot of capital that was invested in him both in terms of draft capital and money because that's a huge contract for a, a second overall pick um who will be on the team for another 2 years at least with how the contracts are structured or you have Mike White who at this point is kind of an unknown a bit because we don't know what he would look like in another game, uh, but is not making your locker room worse. 
and is coming off a really hot start. And, uh, you know, he got favorable conditions home against a bad team. Next week, though, away at Minnesota, which is tough. The Mm -hmm. following week after that, away at Buffalo. Frankly, as long as he doesn't turn into Nathan Peterman, I think he's got a very strong, not expectation, but um, what's the term, leash, as far as holding on to that starting spot. You know what I think I would do if it was me, as like Robert Sala? Cut him. I think I would have Mike White start again with the Vikings, but have Zach as the backup. So instead of so it's it's a step up, right? He's going from riding the bench undressed to being a backup, and that way you can see like, all right, is Mike White a guy or is he just a guy? <laughs> um, but also you know keeping Zach warm and ready to mm-hmm. see for Buffalo, right? And to show him, to show him like, hey, we will keep benching you if Mike White's playing well. Because you have not been playing well and you've been kind of an asshole. Because, you know, you got to imagine if he's not self-aware enough to know what he's saying, which whether you buy that or not, whatever. But if he's not self-aware enough to know what he's saying in front of reporters and cameras and all the context, be as careful with your words as humanly fucking possible. uh, Going ahead and willing to bet that he's not very careful with his words around his teammates either. So, um I think I would bump him up to back up, but I still would have Mike White start. Because otherwise, I would totally be with that, with the stipulation of if he still is acting like a a fucking little bitch, if he is not showing any growth or attempted growth or you know empathy towards the situation whatsoever. There, I don't think there's any reason to. If he's refusing to put any work towards this mentally or otherwise, then I don't see why you would even reward him with the bump up. I I I see this as an interesting spread of games too, because you know Minnesota is a tough game. It's a big time game. You know, it, it's a really tough opponent. They beat the Bills like two weeks ago. You know, you got to take them for real, right? It and it's away. So it, it's it's a it's a it's a tough matchup, and one that I'm sure Zach Wilson would love to be at the helm of because it's a tough game. You want to be able to win those games. You want to be the guy. But right after it is Buffalo, which yeah, Zach got the chance to beat earlier. Great, tough opponent, division matchup. Could end up being the difference between getting a playoff spot and not getting a playoff spot, winning the division and not winning the division, um, which those Patriots games will ultimately be the deciding factor. I'm sure. Anyway. Um, and I'd almost say to him, like, look, look, Mike is starting this next game against the Vikings. Done deal. Done deal. You have a chance of starting against Buffalo. If you can fucking prove it to us, mm-hmm. if you get your shit together, both on the field and off the field? Maybe. We'll see. But until that time comes, Mike is the starting quarterback. End of story. And frankly, I don't know how it could be anything other than that. Because that's the thing. If you go right back to Zach after this, again, genuinely very good outing for Mike White, you're basically saying no matter what had happened, we were only going to sit you for one game and right. this, take it as a one game suspension uh, and all good. No issues. Because like really 22 for 28, 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack taken. You could not possibly ask for a better start. Correct. Yeah. You, you can't from a from a bat from a third string quarterback. Not even a backup. Joe Flacco was the backup at the start of the season on the depth chart. You're a third-string quarterback. You could not fathom a better start than that. So to not have Zach still be 
at least second on the death chart for heading into the next week would be a slap in the face to everybody. Be slap in the face to Mike White too. Not sure that means much in the Jets front office, but if I was Mike White, I'd be pretty upset. And well, I very much agree with you. I do not expect whatsoever for Robert Sala to to be the kind of person to just kind of give that back to Zach Wilson. Right. And you know what, though? That also goes back to the fact that this is a good team. Robert Sala knows that the Jets have a chance of making the playoffs for the first time in, uh, oh, geez, since 2014 or some shit like that. Like, it's been a bunch of years. It's been a bunch of years. And granted, this is only his second year with the team, but show me a coach that doesn't want to make the playoffs, numero uno. Uh, And number two, he's got a bunch of guys that he wants to bring back next year, I'm sure. Right, he's got a bunch of guys that he wants to say. I had a positive experience with the Jets. Robert Solid was a great coach. He did right by me by trying to make sure that I was protected, I was taken care of, and I had an opportunity to go to the playoffs. And he knows, because he just saw it today, that this team can win without Zach Wilson at the helm. And maybe it's easier with him. They've won the the majority of their games with him there. Even still, fine, whatever. But he knows he's got good wide receivers. He's got good running backs. He's got a good offensive line. He's got a mean fucking defense. A mean fucking defense. So he if knows he, that he... Go ahead. If he ever expects to get anywhere further with this team, if he ever expects to push to be a championship caliber team, you're not only going to be able to do that through drafting. You're going to have agents... And if you are that team that all of the players on said team and all of the players that the agents are also representing say Robert Sala does right, he does right by the team, he is doing the right thing, they are much more likely to sign there. Yeah, no one no one wants to enter into a situation where the locker room's shit. Or they think that they you know they're always gonna be playing second fiddle to some fucking rich white kid from Utah. No one's gonna want that. No one's gonna want to be a defensive star who's not getting protected because the quarterback didn't want his feelings hurt by the media. Now look, money talks at the end of the day. We we, we you know we all know it. We all see it. We've we've all experienced it. But. If money is equal, no one's going to want to put up with that shit. I mean, fucking look at the Browns. Look at look at them. How many Class A free agents have the Browns acquired in the last 10 years? Uh, two, three, a handful. Not nearly what they could have with the amount of money they were spending. Uh, because they have to pay premiums for worse players. Because they are a tough team to say you play for. And I and you can see it in the churn of their front office, in the churn of the the quarterbacks, in the churn of the position players. You can see it all over the place. And so I, I have a lot of con- – the past week has given me a lot of confidence in Robert Sala. Confidence I already had, but you'd always love to think that your quarter your, your head coach is going to – actually make the tough decisions that might other people might not, but that are the right call, right? Everyone wants to see the coach who goes for it on fourth and one on your opponent's 20 yard line because fuck the field goal. You know, you want that, but in the non on field decisions, the the tough things like saying to your second overall pick quarterback, you're a dick. You're not playing well. Pop off those shoulder pads. You're riding the bench little boy. Um, so it's, it's, it's very encouraging to see. I hope these two dudes are around for the rest of my life. Yeah, I hope Joe uh, Douglas uh, and Robert tight. Sala are, are, oh, I hope they get the stadium named after them. I want them here forever. Uh, this opinion is subject to change, but as it stands right now, what a duo. I think the solution we have is to start Zach Wilson the rest of the season. Tell everyone in the locker room that this is it. This is what you have left. He will inevitably fail 
and you have a much better pick next year to draft a better quarterback and replace him. Oh, no chance. I mean, the Jets right now have four losses. And let's see, who's got the tankathon number one? Uh, Texans. Yeah, nine losses. So they are the Jets is six wins. Oh man, dude, there's so many, there's so many teams with left fewer than six wins. Oh my god, yeah. Actually, well, it's seven wins. I forgot they they won today. Seven wins. Oh man, yeah. There's no no. The Jets have the twenty third pick in the draft. We, we there's no way we're moving up like sixteen spots or, or dig eighteen spots again at number five. No chance. Want to hear Jets, something though, uh, in the pretty... wild card? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, you want to hear something pretty incredible? The first round pick that the I want to say the Detroit Lions have from the Los Angeles Rams is now worth like the third overall pick. Fifth. Fifth. Who has the third pick and has that been traded? Seattle via Denver. To, yes, that was it. Which is different quarterback swap team. Oh yeah, you look at the look at the 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 top five picks. It's Houston, which you know traded away a guy that they had. They've been bad for a while though, so this isn't like crazy. Chicago at three and nine, which this actually might be kind of amazing for them. It's tough to say because if they believe in Justin Fields, who's been hurt for the past few weeks, and I saw might be done for the year. Um, if they're convinced that he's the guy, uh, this is uh. Some great draft capital in what could be, um, I don't know, a good stretch for them, um, personnel-wise. Who's to say? Seattle getting their pick from Denver after trading away Russell Wilson and being better, which is uh, Vegas, which, God, uh, we talked about them last week. Who the fuck knows nor cares? And then Detroit via the Rams, who, who acquired... You sold their soul to the devil for a, uh, a Super Bowl championship and got it, and now must pay the piper. Um, man. And what's even better is the second round pick Chicago traded to Pittsburgh because Miami forfeits their first round pick is equivalent to the first selection in the second round. That's pretty freaking sweet. Also, shout out to the fact that Houston has two top 10 picks because they have the number one for being bad and they have the number nine because Cleveland is also bad. Which is fucking awesome. That's honestly such a great position to be in. Yeah, two top 10 picks. Which is quite obvious, but still. Yeah. Um, But being able to kind of pick up whoever inevitably falls because of some positional run a la quarterbacks in the first, you know, handful of picks. They definitely have the ability to uh, acquire quite a bit more. It was an interesting number of two pick, two first round pick teams this year because Houston has two, Seattle has two, Detroit has two, Philadelphia has two. That's a that's a lot of teams. Those first round picks have been flying off the shelf recently. I am really excited to see the Rams' eventual rebuild because this is going to get ugly. I'm excited to see the Rams' eventual teardown because you got to remember, this team is basically the team they were last year. Just everyone's hurt. Do you think they would ever hedge and start selling off the talent that they have to start acquiring picks? Or are they going out out with with the ship? Now I think they have to start selling this offseason, right? Everybody that's not named Cooper Cup. Uh, I don't, even I, maybe Aaron Donald. I really, too, but... truly think they are going to view this as a fluke season and hope that, oh, Matthew Stafford is still really great. Oh, we have all these receivers. Oh, we still have a good defense with top players. We can still push. Uh, I they are in also what is such an interesting position because they own nothing in terms of draft capital. Uh, I, I, hold on, can I find their whole draft heading into next year? 
Yeah, okay, so next year they have their second round, third round, three fifth rounds, four sixth rounds, and two seventh round picks. Hmm. It's actually an interesting number of uh, of picks. So they got a, a lot of picks. It's just that they have two day two picks and then everything else is day three. Um, like they have two top 100 picks. That's not a lot. No, it's not. Um, yeah, wow, it's not. So basically they have no first and no fourth. Um, and then duplicates of all the... I mean, having like four sixths and two sevenths isn't like a lot to work with. Um, no, those are know, they, they have, lottery ticket guys. They have four picks below 200. Or sorry, above 200, whichever we want to think. 202, 211, 223, and 254. Four picks in the 200s. There, there's the phraseology I'll use. Um, I eventually they they have to they have to start moving on from 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 players. Um, it's the smart money move. It's one of those things where it's like, I I guess you're right. If they if they view if they view Matt Stafford as still being the guy and can function on this payroll and view the copious number of picks they have, regardless of quality as enough to help restock some of the depth positions, then maybe they don't tear down, but like, what are they doing well right now though? You know, like I know that Matt Stafford's been hurt and it's, it's sad faces all around in the Rams front office, or in the Rams, Rams locker room, but also like, man, what is Sean McVay doing for you? Right? It's, uh, it seems like a lot of offensive issues that might be able to be ironed out if you have a offensive guru at the helm. Yeah, as it stands right now, team offense yards, the Rams have the second fewest not counting today's games or uh, Sunday's games as you're listening to this, the Rams are have only 21 more yards than the Texans. That is it. And the Texans are actually averaging more yards per play just because they've run fewer plays than the Rams. So the Rams are only averaging 4.7 yards per play, which is the fewest in the NFL. Wow. They've turned the ball over 15 times, which is fifth most in the NFL. Um, yeah, let's see. Can I get their uh, passing yards? They are 10th worst. Rushing yards, they are second worst. And penalty yards... Uh, actually, I don't see them near the top of the list. Okay, so actually, fourth best. Not not getting penalized a lot, but their passing is crap and their rushing is shit. So it's just no good. And I mean, I don't know. Looking at the teams around them in the bottom of these 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 categories, like the Bears aren't passing well, but we knew that was going to be the case, you know. And they're they're trying to build their team around running, much like the Tennessee Titans. The Falcons are bad. Ooh, the Ravens. I didn't realize the Ravens weren't doing so hot. Um, but a, a yeah. lot of teams, I could keep listing all the other nine teams. All these teams are, are either bad or trying to build running running teams. The rushing part of it, though, uh, man, can't fathom that one at all. Especially because it's funny. You can see leading in rushing yards are a lot of the teams that are at the bottom of the passing yards category. The Bears, for instance are the worst team by passing yards, the best team by rushing yards. The Falcons are the, um, oh, fuck, I lost them. Where'd they go? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, no, fucking, I had a point. I don't know where the Falcons are anymore. The, the, the fal, fal, hello, Arizona? Atlanta? Oh, they're there, Atlanta. Third fewest passing yards, second most rushing yards. Uh, like there's not a lot of there's some overlap between the two, um, but the fact that 
the um, Rams are, are in the wrong side of this in both directions. Like the Bucks, worst in rushing yards in the NFL, fifth most passing yards. The Rams are really capitalizing on we we suck all up and down this bitch. Suck all over. Love to suck. Three worst teams by Please quarterback rating. More. Go. Uh, uh, let me say the New York Jets. Number three. Um, I will say... I'll say the Rams. Not the Rams. They're ninth. Hmm, terrible quarterbacks. Who am I not thinking of? That's very obvious. Um... I guess the Texans have to be. Uh, no, number four. Okay. Um, and then I'll throw Carolina out there. Number one, Carolina. Yeah. You can't think of anybody for number two. Nobody uh, at all. I don't. I don't want to say who no, is coming to mind coming now to that mind. you're saying it. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Uh, so you're gonna, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to tell me, Josh. I will not uh, say the words you are getting me to say. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Uh, they only came to mind like three separate times, and you could not have paid me to say those words. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. So while the quarterback rating part uh, of of it, you know, the quarterback play hasn't been ab- abysmal, I guess one could say the uh, out of the production isn't really there. Eleven touchdowns nine interceptions you know you'd say that oh well maybe you know the the rams are 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 getting by on the back of of really good defense um so let's see how the rams defense has been uh let's see total yards allowed uh the the most yards allowed to hit by defense this year has been the detroit lions which i don't know that's just funny but that defense has been embarrassingly bad yeah it has been uh by yards the rams defense has been good sixth best sixth fewest yards allowed um best defenses by yards allowed san francisco 49ers 2839 the philadelphia eagles 3006 the broncos 3021 the bucks 3100 and the new york jets 3105 uh, looking forward to that number not going up very much tomorrow when these passing or these stats get updated. So it looks like by production anyway, the team defense is doing pretty okay. Uh, they have allowed the 16th fewest passing touchdowns. Was really they're just middle of the pack in passing touchdowns allowed. Um, in rushing touchdowns allowed, they have allowed the seventh fewest. Passing yards, they have allowed the 14th fewest, and rushing yards allowed, they have allowed the third fewest. So it really isn't bad defense, which really, I think, if anything, just paints the picture of, oh, ow, oof, how bad that offense has been. Um, at least where it counts, I guess one could say. Man, I... uh I miss good football. The average depth of target for the mm. Rams on defense, Ooh. 5.8 yards, the smallest in the NFL. Wow. That's really impressive. Which I guess means that they just have really piss poor linebacker coverage. Not even. I feel like it's just they're able to wipe out the back half of the field or they're able to get such good pressure that that's actually a better point forcing drop-offs that's actually a much better point yeah yeah because then their total air yards on completions is uh like sixth seventh in the nfl thousand yards um let's see rams uh their yards after the catch like 10th they're pretty okay everywhere else. Not a lot of sacks. You'd think middle of the pack, they'd be a little bit higher up for sacks, but not really. Um. Anyway, getting into some of the, the Rams personnel dudes, I, I guess we could say. Actually, you know what I want to look at? I want to see their spot track. Um, 
because if they're going to start getting rid of players next next season, one would think they would start with some of their more expensive guys. Right? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, how much cap space do you think the Rams have slotted for next year? Um, I mean, like they have a lot of vets that I imagine would be on these short-term one or two-year contracts. I would say, like rank-wise, or or an actual number. Pick your poison. Other one. Um, I'll say they have like twenty-three million in cap space for next year. Negative one point three million dollars. Okay, 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 okay. Tenth. Get this though, tenth least amount of cap space. Tenth. Yeah. Nine teams with less cap space than that. The New Orleans Saints. The the New Orleans Saints next year. Next year, not this year. Next year, are sixty three and a half million dollars over the cap. Holy shit. Uh, dude, I don't even know how that works. Holy shit. I don't even know how that works. Um, uh, anywho, the most expensive players on the Rams that are currently on roster for 2023, meaning that their contracts go into 2023, are as follows. Uh, Cooper Cup, whose cap hit is $27.8 million, and holy shit, I forgot it was that high. Yeah, um, yeah. Aaron Donald, $26 million. Jalen Ramsey, 25.2. Leonard Floyd, 22. Matt Stafford, 20. Allen Robinson, 18. Those are the big guys. Everyone after that is 15. I'll just get the next one. Joseph Note boom at 15.5 and Bobby Wagner at 12. Everyone else is below 10. Feels like a fair way of doing it. Of those guys, Cup, Donald, Ramsey, Floyd, Stafford, Robinson, Note boom, and Wagner. Do you see anybody getting traded or any cap space freed up with those guys? Uh, I don't know how much guarantees are left, but I have to imagine Wagner's gone. I think of all of them. Only Donald, Ramsey, and uh, who's their number two pass rusher that was up there? Uh, Leonard Floyd. Yeah. Uh, see him getting moved. I think those are the only two guys that are locked in. I think everyone else will be a discussion on, you know, opportunity costs. I think they'd love to keep all of them. I think all of them are expendable. It's really going to come down to how they view the future of their playoff window. Because if their playoff window is maybe like three years out, then I think you have a conversation with Aaron Donald, which basically says, we love you. You have made this franchise the Super Bowl winning team it's been. We want to do right by you. Um, and put you on a winning team because we are not going to be one and don't want to waste your time. Yeah. I think that's the conversation you have with like also guys like Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Floyd. Like maybe you keep around, maybe you keep Matt Stafford because his value is non-existent and moving him would probably require some salary retention, which would defeat the point of moving him. So maybe you keep him on, uh, as a, as a as a bridge quarterback essentially um i'd i'd also see the value in keeping on cooper cup because you might be drafting a quarterback this year in which case giving him one really reliable weapon would probably be a huge help um uh, but like maybe also allen robinson then can go uh it's tough to say uh i um i would love to just see them have a goddamn yard sale and then just rebuild around inevitably Cooper Cup because he's the only tried and true thing that guarantees their offense works. Um, but 
it'll be a mystery. I I have faith in Les Snead to figure out a solution, but boy, they they seem to really love digging themselves into a deeper hole. I mean, they've definitely improved their station. I remember when we checked this list and the, you know, they'd be 25, 30 million dollars in the hole for the upcoming mm-hmm. year and you know to have that number be a lot more manageable is definitely um definitely good. Uh just look at the Saints real quick. They owe 4 million dollars in dead cap to Malcolm Jenkins next year. That's really bad. I mean, that's just amazing. I don't even Wow, you know, like goddamn. Um, they have three players in the team making more than twenty million dollars. Michael Thomas, <laughs> Cameron Jordan, Marshawn. Sorry, four players making more than twenty million dollars. Michael Thomas, Cameron Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, and Ryan Ramchick. The players making over ten: Andrews, Pete, Alvin Kamara, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Demario Davis, Eric McCoy, and David Onyemata. Tyron Matthew is making under 10. Uh, I did see that. I think that's, uh, he's coming off injury this year. I think that oh, was that a big it? reason. Yeah. Also, shout outs to Marcus May. Forgot he was on the Saints. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know what they do. Because this is bananas. If they yeah. cut Marshawn Lattimore, which they obviously wouldn't do. But if they yeah, I think deck, he's... Sorry, go ahead. His dead cap is $43 million. Jesus Christ. His yeah, cap no, that's, is that makes him uncuttable for sure. Same thing with Ryan Ramchick, whose cap hit is 21 and whose dead cap is 40. And of the four guys making over 20, those are the two who would have been the safest, regardless of contract stipulations. Sure. How old is Cameron Jordan? It feels like he's been in the league forever. Uh, Early to mid 30s. He is in his age 33 season, Boom. and this was his uh, 11th NFL season. Yeah, definitely a guy who still has several years left at a relatively high level. Man, if you're not losing out on a bunch of dead cap space, he's probably a guy you get out in front of rather than stuck with. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him make a make like a value move over to a different team, you know, like if they moved him over to uh the Bears, honestly, the Bears have the cap space for it and if they could get a, a a nice return for in a in a draft capital sense, maybe like swap a third and a fourth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um the Bears defense is bad. Yeah. Frankly, if you're not giving up a ton of capital, I like that move. Yeah, take on the contract, get a third, give him a fourth, maybe even a seventh, because those things feel like they're so arbitrarily delivered. Who cares? I don't know. It's interesting. Um, Hall of Fame voting for MLB started officially, uh, but we're going to save some of that talk until we get a better picture of how the voting is going to shake out. There's some more interesting uh, conversations that we had around the steroid error guys is, you know, like now Alex Rodriguez is on the ballot and Manny Ramirez is on the ballot and guys like that. So um, we'll, we'll start looking into that as the uh, more as the ballots shake out uh, until then Corwin, is there anything else you'd like to chit chat about before we get out of here? Um, we, I don't think we have enough to talk about it yet, but Odell Beckham is throwing a massive wrench in what would have been a kind of real enjoyable story of seeing who he signs with for the playoff push uh, with some very weird shit coming from a, a flight that he was on out of Miami. So I'm excited to see how all that unfolds. Out of Miami, you say? Yeah, of course. Nothing bad has ever happened there for Odell Beckham Jr. Well, I was going to say more like nothing bad has happened there for black players accusing the Dolphins organization of not being great to black people. They are currently being sued by um, Brandon Flores. Yes. Or racial discrimination. I think he lives in Miami. I don't think it was a meeting with the Dolphins. Okay. 
Because I do remember when he took that photo in Miami on the boat during a bye week, and that basically ended his, you know, pre-Rams career. Uh, well, it, that photo was Giants was career, during, and then it was it was during the the between between the regular season and and wild card weekend. It was that that little gap week, uh, and then the Giants got into like 2014. And then the Giants got curb stomped, and have been bad ever since. And he got traded and got hurt and blah 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 blah. blah. It was his, it was pre Cleveland for him. Yes, because I remember Sterling Shepard being there and dressed ridiculously, and yet he's still on the team. But hey, I, that's uh, that'll be some. Sterling Shepard has been the Giants for, I don't know, five years. I could not tell you what that man looks like. I've never seen his face. I I definitely have the look locked in. Um, but, boy, I, I couldn't tell you how much, if any, success he's had since Odell left. Every time I hear his name, I picture Victor Cruz. I, I don't have a good reason for that. Um, Kind of that same slot role that he took over when Cruz disappeared or you know retired it's not like he disappeared he's still evaporated into a mist yes. of a former NFL player and just couldn't fill that hole all right well then we'll save all this uh m- mystery around Odell for when we get some more details but we'll keep an eye on it uh in the meantime if you like to follow the show you can do so uh, at juicing pot on twitter if you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. For the follow myself, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juiceinthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.